Well, before we begin this morning, let us seek God's grace. Father, we are so grateful that you are the sovereign one who rules over heaven and earth. And though the wicked mock and though the wicked hate you and spurn you and despise you and though you give them so much, so many things to do on this earth, you sit in heaven and laugh at their arrogance and pride and what they think they can do. And yet, Father, we also know that Arrogance and pride is near to every heart in this room. We know, Father, that all of us have a tendency to exalt ourselves above others. We have a tendency to be selfish and self-centered. We have a tendency even to look at the wicked out there and think of ourselves as so much better than they are because we're so good. Or at least we're not that bad. And Father, I ask that you would have mercy on us this morning. You would see our weakness and our frailty and see us in our natural tendency to love ourselves. And help us and have mercy on us and reveal to us, as you continue to do even throughout this service, the glories of your love in Christ Jesus, that we'd be overwhelmed by your love toward us, sinners. And therefore, we would look with different eyes and we would love with different hearts and we would look around the people even in this room and we would consider others better than ourselves and love. Help us to love, Father. Help us to be like you, to know your love. And may that run out of our lives into the lives of those around us. We ask it in Christ. Amen. Do you ever find it difficult? Find it difficult to see the work of God in the lives of the people around you? We've been doing a series on experiencing God, and one of the main premises of this, one of the realities that we look at, is the fact that God is at work around you. If you look to your right, if you look to your left, if you look behind you and in front of you, you know what you're going to realize? You might realize, in theory at least, hopefully you've heard what's happening. God is at work. God is at work continually. However, do we see this? Do you have trouble seeing it? I know I often find it difficult. I find it difficult, but mostly because I'm not looking. And mostly because I'm thinking of other things. Or I'm thinking of myself. So, this morning, you're in really good company... If you struggle at times, you find yourself struggling to see God at work around you. You know God is at work around you, right? You know it. You know at least theoretically. You would at least pass the Sunday school exam. But you have troubles actually seeing it. And if you would like to get better, if you would like to see better, I hopefully... Throughout this series, there's ways in which we can begin to see the work of God in our midst. But especially this morning, we're going to look at seeing God at work right here in this church. Experiencing God in the church. How do we experience Him in the life of the church, in the life of Redeemer? 
You know, most of the time when we think about God at work, we think of dynamic and world-changing events. Like what he did for his people to free them from the exodus. Now that's God at work. From, from the Egyptians through the exodus, I should have said. Or like he did with his people on Mount Sinai. When God shows up, when God does a work, we might have a tendency to think, you know, earth shakes. There's thunder and there's lightning and it's something so remarkable. And indeed, that is true, right? God does and can work like that. Or we might think when Jesus showed up and changed the world forever, brought salvation to humanity. The cosmos is forever changed. Now that's God showing up and that's God at work. That truly is. But more often than not, we don't notice the work of God. It's subtle. God is invisible. The spirit can't be seen like the wind. When's the last time you saw the wind? You didn't see the wind. You saw the effects of the wind. God is like the sun. Always there, always powerfully transforming the world, but seldom recognized for it or noticed. God is at work. And within the church, God is more at work within the church than anywhere else in the world. God is more at work here than he is out in the world, even though he is at work in the world. And the thing is, we need to be able, what we need to be able to do is see God at work, have eyes to see. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. And in this particular passage, it's not necessarily, this isn't saying, this is how you see God at work, but I want us to see something in it about how God works in the midst of his church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 4, which says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another the faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who appoints to each one individually as he wills. Now, clearly, there's a lot you could talk about even in that passage if you are to, ex- to go in and explain what he means by each various gift and everything else. But I don't want us to miss something here. It's easy to see on the surface of this. It's that, oh, yeah, God gifts. But, like, this is how and why God gifts the body. This is what he's talking about. And, yes, he is, absolutely. But notice something with a variety of gifts that he gives. Variety of gifts, but what does he say? But the same spirit. A variety of service, but the same Lord. A variety of activities, but the same God. Spirit, Lord, and God is this triune formulation of things. Who empowers everyone, it says. He empowers the body, everyone. So here we have all the gifts, all the service, and all the activities that take place in the body are given and empowered by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is at work 
Through what? Through these gifts, through these activities, through these services that we're doing for one another. And if we're used to walking right on by without noticing, we can create a habit of not noticing. You can create a habit of not seeing, not recognizing, not understanding. You could actually, you're being ministered to. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are ministering to you, and it's someone was talking with you. Something was sharing with you this morning as we, you know, ministry happens, as, as even now the word is preached. You can get all confused and think that it's just, you know, here's Dean blabbing his mouth again. And the thing about God, this is why you often miss what he's doing, is that he, the, way, the means by which he's using these things to actually minister to you. Because until we begin to recognize how it is, that God works in our midst, we don't see it. We're oblivious to it. God is mightily at work. Creating a people right now, if you in your heart, do you realize if you in your heart love the Lord Jesus Christ and praise him with sincerity of heart and from your heart you delight in him, that is a powerful, miraculous work of God in a sinful heart that would not turn to him, would not delight in him, would not joy in him at all. It's a miraculous work of God that can be so unnoticed. Or because it's common, you get used to it. That is the ministry and work of God. You know, we, I think we need to begin to pray more often. Begin to pray and ask God to reveal to us where it is He is at work. And expect it to happen. Expect Him to reveal it to us. Expect Him to open our eyes and see. And as we do, I guarantee you, we will be given eyes to see. Say, Father, would you please help me to see where it is that you're at work in the lives of the people around me? And I I do trust, Lord, and I know you will. I'll guarantee you God will begin to show you things and what he's doing in people's lives that you were just walking straight on by before. But don't think it'll be like Elijah and his servant. You remember that story? Don't think that, you know, you're going to be praying like Elijah prayed for his servant. Oh, Lord, help him to see that his eyes would be open to see what it is uh, who it is you're, you are and what it is that's truly going on and what happened. His eyes were open, the servant's eyes were open, and what he, whoa, what does he see? He seen flaming chariots of fire all around on the mountains. It's like, wow, that's what's really going on. It was there the whole time, and he didn't see it. That's probably not going to happen. Sorry, guys. I kind of wish that would happen sometimes. It's mostly going to be that you're seeing someone even um, hurting. Or you, you ask a question about how someone is doing, and then as they answer it, they reveal something to you that uh, the Spirit prompts you to maybe ask another question or to follow up. Maybe they share with you how their week is going, and within that, within, even in with their sharing, there's something that, that uh, comes to your mind, and, and you talk, discuss with them about, and then all of a sudden, there's, ministry begins to happen between two people. This is the work of God. Maybe the Spirit prompts you to ask a question to someone or go up to someone, and maybe you don't even know why, but you're prompted to go up to them and say, hey, how are you doing? And they say, you know, I'm so glad you asked. I'm doing all right for this reason. And there you have, all of a sudden, you begin to see the the work of God in the lives of people within the body of Christ. 
Or it could be that God really worked through even the service. Even the service this morning, God could work and move in people's lives, and you don't really know that. He could really minister to someone's heart. And maybe because of this, they need someone just to come alongside and pray with them. Maybe they need someone just to come alongside and put their arm around them. And this is the ministry of God, too. Have you ever been hugged by somebody just at the right time, and it's like the greatest thing that ever happened? (laughs) Nothing was said. This is the work of God. God ministering to his people through his people. One body, one Lord, one spirit, one father administering and working. So often we think of the work. Isn't it easy to think of the work of God? Here's the person, here's, here's God, and God just like, acts like this. And often God is working through, working through you and me and through our hands and, and our mouths and, our, and our, our feet and our actions and our words. You often hear it said that, you know, we are Jesus' hands and feet on this earth. And there's so much truth to that. That's exactly what we are. We're the ones ministering the grace. And so God is actively at work around us. But you know what it primarily requires to see? It primarily is that we cultivate the habit of coming here to worship prayerfully, prayerfully expecting, prayerfully looking, prayerfully saying, Father, Help me to see where it is you're at work today. And I would venture to bet that most of us come here with our minds caught up on just maybe trying to get here on time, especially this morning. Time change throws you through for a loop, and man, you just pedal to the metal just trying to figure out how to get it done, and you just, just trying to get here. And just trying to get here on time was a big enough thing, and so you're just, you're just so glad you got here. It's like, whew. And it takes you a while, and maybe maybe... Maybe sometimes you go in and out, but a lot of times your mind might get caught up and, wait, what are, we gonna, what are you doing afterwards? And I'm thinking, what should we do afterwards? Well, I wonder what we should eat. Um, our minds could be caught up in that. Or our mind, we could be very insecure. We could be very self-conscious. We could be worried about wondering if people are noticing what we're wearing. And we just become completely self-centered. That happens. And these are things that often our minds are just caught up either in our own world, our own things, our own stuff, and what's going on in our own lives that we, we didn't prayerfully consider others. And, that, and because we don't prayerfully even consider the work of God in our midst, it's like that's what I think so often we don't see it. We don't recognize it. And it won't be until we come here prayerfully, prayerfully expecting to see the work of God and say, Father, please help me to see where it is you're at work in people's lives. Because until then, I think we just keep on missing, missing what God is doing. But in order to help us see, I think, one other thing we have to do is we have to get in the habit of starting doing something different. And that's more often not bringing to light the work of God. Bringing to light the work of God. David was a man who saw the work of God all around him, and he proclaimed it to others. He proclaimed it to the congregation. He even proclaimed it to the heavens. It's explicitly mentioned that he proclaims, and I will not, he says, I will not hold back my mouth from proclaiming it to the congregation. In Psalm 22, Psalm 26, Psalm 35, 68, 105, 107, and 109 explicitly mentions this. An example of this, and hear what he says in Psalm 40. Psalm 40, verses 9 through 10. He says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. That explains, where did he tell it? Where did he explain it? In the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips. 
As you know, O Lord, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness. I have not, from where, he says? From the congregation. I've proclaimed it. I've spoken of it. When David said he, was, he had not hidden or restrained his lips from telling of, of the salvation, of the deliverance, of the love and the faithfulness from the congregation, what was he doing? He was bringing to light the work of God. He wanted the people around him to see and to know the work of God. He knew that part of glorifying and honoring God was declaring it before the congregation. Now, I don't know how that worked. Okay, let's have share time. I don't know. I don't know what that meant, or the, you know, because we have no access into the service and how did the king get up and, and then declare the praises of God? I'm not sure. But one thing's for certain, he did it. How exactly he did it, I know, but he, we know that he did it. Because it's, you know, it's one thing to see the work of God around us, to actually see it. It's another thing to bring it to light, to proclaim it. Blackaby said when he served as a pastor and, uh, that one of the most important things I did was to help my people recognize when God was at work in our midst. At small or informal meetings, I often asked what members had, had witnessed of God's activity that week. University students would tell how God had opened opportunities to share their faith with fellow students. Business people told about God's activity in the workplace. Mothers would relate how God led them to establish a group of Christian mothers to pray for the public school. Seniors recounted how God led them to intercede for someone during the week. These informal times of sharing became wonderful opportunities to celebrate together God's activity in our midst. End quote. I think it's a pretty wonderful practice. And I, I truly think that we could incorporate ourselves more in informal situations especially. You think of Bible studies. You think of prayer meetings. You think of small groups or community groups or the things that we do in informal gatherings. And part of it is forming a habit. And the other part of it is, is leadership. The big problem, why not say perhaps we're not like this as a congregation, is, has a lot to do with me and the other leaders because it needs to be led. We should be like David the king proclaiming the wonderful works of God. Declaring. And, and just even in preparing and realizing, you know, so, so often uh, it's, you're always challenged, it seems to me, for, especially when I'm preparing the sermon, to change, <laughs> to change things, to, to, to move forward, to make adjustments. And I even worried in preparing this and saying, I don't like to say this because now I feel obligated and I'll forget. Because it's not my habit, it's not the way we normally function. But I thought, you know, we certainly, it certainly would be a great habit. It certainly would be something to be wonderful to do, is even before we begin these informal meetings, say, how has God been working in your life? How have you seen God work around you this week? And being, have opportunities to bring to light the work of God and proclaim his goodness. And how encouraging is, to, is it so often when we hear what God is doing I love it. If you, if you hear what God is doing in someone's life, what does it do for your life? It encourages you. It encourages your faith. To realize, man, you know, this is just a, this is a habit. This is something that people should incorporate in the way they fellowship together. 
And then, it, you know, you start making it more of a habit, and it's something that you can even do in just social gatherings and speakings and talking, talking with one another. Casual conversations. You know, it, it's, and, and I think the casual conversations, and one of the things I, this is what I, I shrink back from in declaring the praises of God and, and exalting his name and talking and bringing to light the things that he's done is that I don't want to be that religious weirdo or fanatic that comes around law is like, oh, praise the Lord Jesus for this and that. You know, if you see enough of that stuff and people doing it, it's like, that, that's my tendency. I don't want to be that guy, so I'm not going to talk like that. But isn't that an overreaction? All I'm, all I'm pulling back from is insincerity. What I'm shrinking back from is somebody just, you know, I know it's like their mouth, they praise God, and with their lives, they kind of do other things, and it's, you get this confused message, it seems, and, and this person just seems fake. And I don't want to be fake. So I, to, to risk not being fake, I'm just not going to talk like that at all. But once again, that's not the right response. We need to become more like David, who made it a priority. Made it some, he even said, Lord, I will not withhold. I will not hold back. Of speaking of your great deliverance, of speaking of your salvation, of speaking of your steadfast love, I won't shrink back. If you look at the Psalms, you go throughout the Psalms where David does declare the praises of God, you'll see that David has a tendency, and he's even, he's even vowed to God, that he will not hold back. Oh, to be like David. Oh, that I were like David. That I would with my mouth more often than not proclaim the goodness and the glories of God and in, all th- in all areas of life. And I think when we start to see that, people around us become encouraged. They begin to, they're encouraged to do the same thing and they're encouraged to see, start looking in their lives and seeing the work of God because it's brought to light. So what a wonderful practice it would be. And I think it's something that we definitely need to think about and even as leaders be praying about and be thinking thoughtfully about how to implement that more often in the, in the events, in the, especially the informal times that we have. So Mike, remind me to talk about that. <laughs> because, you know, once we get better at seeing the work of God, you know what else we need to do? This is what we need to do next. Once we're, we're getting an understanding of what's going on, we need to step into the work of God to minister. And 1 John was read for us this morning. 1 John 3, the last part of it, 16 through 18, says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, as we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brothers in need, yet closes his heart against them, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And this is truly what the love of God lived out looks like. So if we're to involve ourselves in the work of God, it involves reaching out in love to the obvious needs around us. The obvious needs the seen needs. But part of it, you know what this requires? Needs. It requires eyes to see. It requires us seeing the work of God, what's going on in people's lives. 
But there's also needs. There's needs that we, we can know about but aren't obvious. Nobody sees them usually. And what are those? They're the ones so obvious to each one of you. They're the ones so obvious because they're in us, but not, not always out here for others to see. And it usually gets out here for others to see when we be, it becomes a massive problem. And here's what I'm talking about. Inside of each one of us are needs. And they go beyond the physical. They're needs, they're emotional needs. They're needs that often go unmet in so many churches because we don't think of loving others and applying 1 John towards loving others in terms of people's emotional needs. Needs of being accepted, needs of being welcomed, needs, needs of being appreciated, need, the needs we have of others being connected to others and having a sense of belonging. You know, one of the most painful things that happens if you've ever been cut out, if you've ever been cut out from any kind of a group, it's painful. And one of the deep needs we have as people is belonging and connecting and, and being appreciated and being loved. Just, and this, this isn't stuff like giving somebody something like currency or uh, uh, clothes or food. This is, this is basically just welcoming. One of the greatest things we can ever give one another is love towards our emotional needs. And they're so obvious to, to us individually, but we don't speak of them. And you know what? When you look around this morning right now, around this room, you're seeing a bunch of people who are needy. Not needy in the weirdo sense, hope not, hopefully. I mean, it happens. I mean, you can be so needy that you... You become that needy weirdo that, that manifests itself. Okay, the need's so deep that it's like uh, that person becomes terribly insecure and starts acting in ways that are very... Uh, the, it, the strange level, it's a strange meter, and it gets stranger and stranger. But that doesn't mean, just because it's not way out on the strange meter, that it's not there at all. That's not true. Want to see how quickly it happens? We could isolate a person in this room and we could cut them off. Turn our shoulders. How just a cold shoulder? Turn our heads away. Cut them off. Show no affection, no kindness, no brotherly love. No, do not welcome, do not accept them, do not bring them in, do not appreciate them. You want to transform a life? Do you want to love somebody in a way that meets deep emotional needs that really affects their life? You want to see the work of God powerfully bring life to a congregation? Turn to start to love one another, knowing that, hey, 1 John talks about needs. I'm not seeing any needs. I'm off the hook. I don't have anything to give. I can keep my money. I can keep my food, my clothing. Well, yeah, but we all have, we all, each and every one of us have emotional needs. God made us so that we want and need one another. The greatest thing that you ever be a part of is a group of people that you know accepts you, that delights in you, that welcomes you, that wants you, that connects with you, that, you know, and, and they open their arms and they bring you in. I tell you what, you get excited. Why? They're, they're loving you and they're ministering to you in a way that's, that's a need of yours. I mean, you could be all tough if you want to be and think, I don't need anybody. You know, I'm John Wayne. I'm the Lone Ranger. But you're icy cold, you're broken, and you've got a needy heart that you're just, 
you, you tell yourselves lies and you, and you put up walls around yourself to protect yourself. It's just not true. It's not how God has made us. God has made us to be loved and to be accepted, to be welcomed, to be brought in. And when you have a group of people who actively reach out in love to accept, to bring in, to you know, look for people to open up to, to, to uh, just, and, and you know, so many ways, I'm not talking, this isn't, doesn't cry rocket science, it's just simple welcoming and loving. It's like open arms, it's, it's communicating through, through hi, good morning, eye contact, uh, you know, acknowledgement, uh, giving a touch or a hug or that's why, you know, think about how the scripture talks about greeting one another with a holy kiss. I've often thought about, how do you implement that? <laughs> holy cow, we'll go on to the next verse. <laughs> There's something about it, right? A simple thing. You walking past a person or you acknowledging a person. That's simple, isn't it? And how often do we do it? Loving each other in the details. If you look at Jesus, one of the things, he didn't have a conversation with everybody, but he touched everywhere he goes. He touched people, blessed them, healed them, ministered to them, teach them. Instru- he, was just, he was going around looking, and it says the crowds were there, and, and everybody who had a, you know, listen to language, everybody who had a sick, his sick or had a demon or, or had, had a need, he was there, and he, and he, and he touched them, and he, and he ministered to them. He was, he was reaching out to them, and he, he communicated. Look at how he drew, drew to, toward the, the woman at the well. He drew toward her out of love and affection and opened himself up in a way that was culturally, when we understand if I had the time to dive into that culturally and understand what was going on, Jesus stepped way over bounds, way out. And he accepted, and he, he drew her in. The fact that he, drew, he initiates this conversation with her, and then he says what he does with her is just profound. This is the love of God. And we've been touched by the love of God, and the love of God awakens our hearts. Often it awakens our eyes, and we begin to see. We see need. We see the people around us, and we see the work of God around us, and we begin to want to minister. And ministry doesn't take having a formal ministry. It doesn't mean, you know, I better, I would sure like to minister. I wonder, oh God, what you would have me do. Well, God's at work right now in this congregation doing all kinds of things, just that God would give you eyes to see. And that it would be brought to light and that you would step up and minister to that in love. You've got a massive ministry. Every single person here could change the life of this congregation if they wanted to. Do you realize you could change the life and dynamic of this congregation simply by being a beam of light who goes out to love and to minister and accept and, and, and welcome uh, other people? Have you, ever, have you ever noticed that one person? And we think they have like this some, oh, that's their gift, that's not mine. They're like this shining light that attracts. And, they, and what they are is they, they, you can sense their love. You can sense their, their interest. You can sense that they're, they actually they like me. And you can, and watch them, and, and oh, they're just so good with everybody. It's just love. It's just reaching out, greeting, welcoming, you know, accepting, appreciating. That's being very outward-oriented, very... You know, you know, loving loving people and meeting people's needs, and it just creates life. You know, I don't want us to leave here today thinking that you just 
you know, you just don't see any of God's activity. You don't see where God is at work. And I just don't see the needs. So I guess I'll, you know, maybe God's just not at work in me or around me or he's just got me blind or something. Don't give yourself any excuse like that. Know that every person around you has needs. Needs to be loved, accepted, appreciated, greeted, welcomed in the church. Every person around you. And they could have other physical needs. There's people in this, in this body here who are hurting. Maybe there's people here who have needs that you know nothing about and you need the eyes of the Lord to see it. I want to close with this one story. I thought it was really kind of good how this worked out. In, in Blackaby's book, he talked about uh, the, a couple in his church. He says, you might have read this, but I thought it was pretty good. One fall, the husband, Arthur, passed away, leaving his wife, Marion, a widow. Marion was a petite, gracious, and humble woman from England who was mortified at the thought that she might be a burden to her church family. She was, she was especially worried that she would not be, she'd be unable to care for her house and yard now that her husband was gone. Yet, she dreaded to ask for help. So she prayed diligently. Richard was a university student at the time, and one Sunday evening he entered the auditorium early and sat down to wait for the service to start. He glanced around the auditorium, filling up, and, and noticed Mrs. Clark sitting on the other side of the room. Richard thought to himself, I wonder who cares for her yard now that Mr. Clark is gone. Suddenly he felt God asking him to go and find out the answer right then. Richard went to Mrs. Clark and said, I was just wondering who's going to take care of your yard this year. Mrs. Clark's eyes filled with tears and she struggled to keep her composure. No one, she replied. Richard offered to stop by on the following Saturday to see what he could do. Mrs. Clark's relief was evident. The next Sunday when Richard arrived at Mrs. Clark's house, the yard was in shambles. He spent most of the day collecting fallen tree branches, raking leaves, and mowing the grass. As he was finishing up, he spied Mrs. Clark with a handful of money she intended to give him for his labor, but he adamantly refused. He explained that God had clearly told him to do what he had done and that it would be wrong for him to take the money since she had so little. But, Richard added, I do know you're a great baker. And any time you want to bake something, it would be great if you wanted to make a little extra for me. The next day when Richard entered the church foyer, he was met by the aroma of fresh baked bread. Mrs. Clark was waiting for him with two large bags filled with baked goods for him. And this became a weekly tradition. Who would have ever thought that a college student and an elderly widow could become special friends? God would. He designed the church for people of all ages and level of spiritual maturity. He wants a church with members to be so closely aligned that when a senior citizen is hurting, a college student in the congregation will sense the burden and meet the need. This is why we need to prepare ourselves to go to church ready, prayerfully, 
ready to join God in whatever he has for us, to join God in the work that he's doing in the life of the congregation. Too often, I think, we attend service and merely seek out our friends, but it rarely dawns on us that people may be experiencing tremendous pain and experiencing hurt, might have some serious needs. And it certainly doesn't often dawn on us that every single one of us has emotional needs. So watch and pray, my friends. Watch and pray for the work of God in our midst. And may God give us eyes to see. And may we start bringing it to light. And may we start stepping up to minister. And because of this, life and goodness and blessing flows in the congregation to the glory and honor of God. Amen. Amen. Father, we are so thankful and grateful that you have gave your son for us and have loved us. Loved us in ways that were just beyond imagination. Reaching out to us, extending and ministering and serving and giving and blessing and helping, sacrificing and ultimately dying for us. Oh, that we would know the height and the depth and the breadth and the width of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That we would be filled with the fullness of God and from there go and do likewise. And love one another and join you in the work you're doing in the congregation and experience the, the goodness and the blessing of being amongst God's people. Amen.